In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman. Aquaman. And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of For All Mankind, a Super Friends podcast. For All Mankind is a read-through show covering DC Comics' classic Super Friends series, which ran for 47 issues from 1976 to 1981. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining me this episode is my super friend, Brian Heiler. Hi, Brian. Yeah, thank you. I love what you've done with the place. <laughs> I have been really excited to have you on the show. You've been on a bunch of Fire and Water shows, and it is always a joy to talk to you. And I can't remember whether I asked you to do this or you asked me how we can't this was like a year ago and just popped up and then i i think i was like well these are the ones left open and you picked this issue number uh 44 we'll be talking about solely on the cover right isn't that right yeah yeah, yeah. i i i just want to like i do have a, a familiarity with this comic but i'm i go back to much earlier issues than this and because this is i probably 10 when this came out and that was way too cool for super friends um <laughs> That was a man, but uh, I looked at this cover and went, "Yeah, this this is me." You know, the, 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 I I I just I don't think I've ever read it. I didn't have it as a kid, but I was like, "The Robin Pig is Robin dis- punching a pig with his head." So disturbing, <laughs> like that would haunt me. Like I did. Did Robin go to therapy? It, it, it is it, the cover by uh, Kurt Schaffenberger and Bob Smith is really straight up nightmare fuel. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, look, the, the, the sort of dragon. And by, by the way, of course, everybody, you'll see this cover and pages from the book on our website, firewaterpodcast.com. The, the, the dragon with Superman's head, that's kind of out of every. He's, he's a griffin from the sixties, a griffin, you know, okay. And then the, the octopus with the one Roman's head, that's pretty cool. And then a full kind of arm- hot. Wait, no, mm-hmm. never mind. What? It's kind of hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Uh, a four-armed, <laughs> the four-armed gorilla with Batman is like, well, that's okay. It's. It I'm pretty sure I have a figure of that somewhere. They get they get more disturbing counterclockwise. Right? Yeah, it's like the least is Superman, a little more Wonder Woman, a little more weird is Batman, and then it ends with Robin punching a pig with his face on it. So, and I, you know what, I I. I feel like it would behoove me not to mention that aquaman gets the shaft here again he does he does of course he does but you said behoove by the way is that a pig joke is that what the, uh, sure joke? yeah maybe um <laughs> so. it might be freudian because i've just been staring at wonder puss here it really um, is amazing it's an amazing image uh, to slap on there how would you not buy this for 50 cents in 1981 in 1981, uh, I, this would have been like, no, um, I would have bought a Star Wars comic or, um, <laughs> I was just trying to think of this actually when, when before we, we signed on, I, I was like, you know, like there's certain eras to your comic purchases, 
And um, 82 was all about like G.I. Joe and Star Wars comics. And I was trying and and Team America for some reason. And (laughs) I was trying to figure out what I was buying at this time. And I think, honestly, my comic buying got curbed because a used bookstore opened in town and they sold old comics. And so every day I would run downtown and go through what was new in the bins and buy weird, like mighty Samson's. And so I think in 81, I was on this bizarre Turok mighty Samson um, Atlas comics fascinated me. And so I wouldn't have ever looked at, I would have never looked at this, but I do have a deep appreciation for E Nelson Bridwell and these comics because uh, I was one of those kids who needed, like, if if I missed, like, the Human Fly comic, I had no idea. It said because he's real, but it, when you <laughs> open the comic, it did not tell you how that was a thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I missed the first episode of Battlestar Galactica, so I didn't understand. And But they did an, uh, he did an issue where he did the Wendy and Marvin um, Wonder Twins swap. That, you know, didn't happen on the show. Right. And I, re- I remember being a kid and going, oh, that's how that happened. Because I needed closure on Wendy and Marvin. <laughs> you know? They're just gone over the summer. The show, mm. go, show comes back in the fall and, hey. <laughs> who, are, who are these Spocks? You know? <laughs> Why are shields in Yarnell on my... So so I was good. Of course, I I always ask people when it's their first appearance on the show, what history, if any, do you have with the comic? So you, you know, you and I, I think are the same age. If you were 10 in 1981, so was I, Mm. I bought Super Friends up until the end because I didn't, I love Super Friends. It didn't really matter, but I was cognizant that it was kind of a kid's comic, but you gave it, you consciously gave it up at a certain point because you were like, yeah, like I, I, Put the Super Friends comics in with like, and, and this was brilliant of DC and Marvel with the Spider-Man Super Stories, mm-hmm. where you know uh, I really enjoyed them; they were fun. Uh, but I can remember, like, I think I picked up a Batman at a certain point in my life, and it was uh, the Return of Clayface, and he could melt people, mm-hmm. and that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but it also made me realize like oh like this batman's kind of edgy and you know like you know i was probably seven or eight at that time and i became a little more um like i i wouldn't say grim and gritty but i you know the super friends seemed esoteric to me when i turned like nine or ten you know i was like sure. oh yeah yeah uh and i'd also been gotten into like the micronauts and uh, there was, you know, stuff I could understand a little bit on a different level. Like I was, I think it, I went from like a, you know, a six-year-old level to like a 10-year-old reading level. Sure. And, and I just kind of started to appreciate more, uh, more horror, I guess, in comics and, and, you know, concepts. And so Super Friends seemed a bit uh, watered down to me as a kid. And, and this is a funny thing. I always found the side characters, these international heroes, kind of silly <laughs> as a kid, which comes around again when uh, Mateus and Giffen kind of gave a bunch of them new life for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in my teen years, I was like, I can't believe I'm reading Fire and Ice in a comic, you know? <laughs> We've been going on a journey with these backups featuring the Global Guardians because mm-hmm. they've been, of course, they've been, in, you know, interpolating 
different characters. One month it's Jacqueline, one month it's Seraph, another month it's Plastic Man, one month it's Wonder Twins. And like the Seraph stories where we've, we've had two of those are uniformly excellent. I mean, they are act, they're really That's the hero of Israel, right? Yeah, the hero of Israel. They're really sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, I I keep saying on the show, he would have made a great uh, figure for that Remco line of Warlord. In the, oh yeah, in the mid eighties yeah, yeah. <laughs> had that build, um, but like those stories are really beautifully crafted and a little more for a, you know adult readers, not adult readers, but yeah, like you were talking about, not for six year olds, for ten year olds, and then they kind of rotate in Jack O' Lantern, which to be honest, to this point, I've just loathed. I just hate <laughs> these Jack O' Lantern stories. So it's yeah, it really uh, you know is what's like, funny you know, is I thought he was the coolest one. He looks and- cool. He looks cool. He yeah. He looks and cool. The, the look is great, but the I think they made him a bad rough. guy in the J- Justice League Internationals, like kind of like a loser. And I, I kind of enjoyed that take on him that like he's a failure as a superhero. But yeah, it's, I, I didn't really, uh, dig on those. Now, when I think about it, I, I really think that this was brilliant. That, you know, they had a comic for younger readers based on a popular television brand. They didn't pander. They told different stories. And then they tried to add more um, of a multicultural approach without it being kind of like forced in. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, now I look at it and go, damn, that's actually pretty savvy, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think E. Nelson Bridwell, who wrote the majority of these. Almost every single one, yeah. Um, while he, I would not, I would not, you know, say he was, um, uh, Alan Moore, uh, his love shines through on this stuff. And also I just really liked that he respected his audience. Yeah. So, oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. Like, like I feel he had that same, uh, vibe that Stan Lee had where he didn't pander and he tried to very much keep the continuity alive. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like I I heard heard to the grapevine once that E. Nelson Bridwell got picked on a lot at DC. Oh, and, and I think oh, it was no. I think it was uh, what's his name Weisen, Weisinger, Mark Weisinger. Yeah, um, was kind of abusive to him, and it's well, like, he was abusive to everybody from what yeah, I, I, I've I've heard he was a real knob. But he co-created Aquaman, and that I thankful for. But there, everything else I've heard about him pretty rough. Yeah, and um I've always thought, you know what? He loved being there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. guy, this guy loved what he did. And to pick on that guy must have like you just you're in the wrong job if you're picking on the guy who cares that much about your business. You know? <laughs> yeah. I I mean we gotta talk about this comic, but I do have one just related to that. And I I understand the reality of things, but one time a bunch of years ago. I was visiting the DC Comics offices on uh at, at at the behest of someone who was working on staff there. I won't say who it was because they might not necessarily. Is this like when you did the Aquaman Shrine thing? Yeah, uh, this was a little bit after that, okay. and and I went there just to visit this person and having lunch with them. And we're in the hallway. We're in one of the hallways, and you know the hall. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those kind of parts of the, the the floor that is meant to con for people to congregate because there are offices along the wall with the doors and stuff but there's this kind of larger area where it's clearly built where people might stand to talk for a minute and mm-hmm. uh, along the walls are glass cases full of toys and various dc comics bric-a-brac and of course as a kid like me 
you know, even though I'm in my forties at this point, I'm still a little like awestruck, you know, that I'm in the DC oh, yeah. comics. You're, you're in DC comics. Office. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I'm talking to this person and we're talking, I don't know, probably at the same volume you and I are talking right now. And someone comes out of their office and looks at us both and goes, shh, and then just shuts the door behind them. And look, I understand it's a job, right? It's an office job. And maybe if you're not into comics, it's not even a particularly great office job. And maybe they were on the phone or something. But there was some part of me that was like, I I think we're missing something here. If two people can't have a conversation, you're in DC Comics. Like, isn't this supposed to be? A little fun? I don't you know. I, 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 I always I like I never really got the idea of DC comics, but I often thought like, you know, your childhood impressions of what Marvel was like was like Jack Kirby had an office next to Stan. Right. Yeah. You know, and Steve Ditko was there and they all just collaborated. And you find out like most of them work from home. Yes. <laughs> you want it to be like that episode of The Simpsons where Bart and Little oh, House yes. go to the mad offices, and it's exactly what they want it to be. <laughs> yeah, the perpinkator. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what you want. That is yeah. what you want. And so, you know, yeah, it's a little like, oh, all right. that that makes me sad. If that is my again. my dad took me to the Mego warehouse when I was oh, a kid, and Lord. it is a dirty warehouse full of toys. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There was no slide. You know? Yeah, um, yeah, they're not playing with the dolls or anything, you know, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, from what I've heard of Mort Weisinger, he just treated everybody poorly. So hopefully, it doesn't shock me that he treated ENB poorly. But I hope that 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 was the only case that ENB was popular and that because he was he was kind of like one of us is that he was a giant nerd for this stuff. And he got like what you might think is like your dream job. You're like you're living in this stuff. You get to live and breathe. You get to go to the you know the uh, the the reference library. Look up obscure characters. It just sounds like a blast. Well, so. I, I do remember in Julie Schwartz's book, which I didn't enjoy, but um, <laughs> he did say something about E. Nelson Bridwell was amazing because you go, hey, I need the backstory on this guy, and he's got it. He's got yeah. it. He didn't have to look it up, and you need that guy. You know, Absolutely. you may you may not want to sit next to him in the lunchroom, and I get that. But um, I, you know, I I work in publishing as well, and we had a um, is a data publishing place, and um, we had a person that ate the same lunch every day, uh, but wow. her her data was flawless, you know, perfect, <laughs> and it was like when she retired, and she just retired recently. I was like, I I don't know how to get another person like you. <laughs> you know you're special <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh yeah the the love that and b had for these characters this universe completely shines through you mm-hmm. know in virtually every issue so all right so let's let's talk about super friends number 44 it was on sale february 19th 1981 the story is peril of the forgotten identities it is written by of course e nelson bridwell and joined by romeo tango and vince coletta Who's All... Romeo Tango? Is he um is he one of the outsourced artists? Or... I believe so. Yeah, believe it so. just sounds like a Filipino name. That's yeah, I mean he was yeah. doing at this point he was working at DC, he was inking George Perez over on New T Titans, at least very shortly. I mean, once once he arrived at DC, he became quite the mainstay. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who took over for Ramona Frayden just a couple of issues ago. So And I love uh, you know what? I did buy my son many reprints of Superpower or Super Friends when mm-hmm. I, and I've read them a million times to him when he was a kid. And 
Yeah, the Ramona Fraden's artwork is beautiful. Oh, the best ever. So, okay, so uh, the story opens with all the super friends are beset by a strange condition. They suddenly have no memory of their superhero identities. This hits Clark Kent mid-flight as Superman, and it forces him to use his cape as a parachute. Which is ridiculous. (laughs) Lest he he fall to his death. And this is all the first page. It's great. Uh, Alfred hands Bruce Wayne his Batman costume for that night's patrol, but Wayne has no idea what his faithful servant is talking about. And, and Wayne is dressed exactly like the Bob Kane, you know, a bat. I'll be the symbol. <laughs> like he's still in that. Oh, exact, he's got the ascot. Yeah. He, ascot yeah. and smoky jacket. Like I just realized that like it's 1939. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the E&B, free E&B. This is what rich guys dress like still in, in <laughs> 1981. Uh, even Aquaman, who doesn't really even possess a secret identity, forgets he can survive on land just fine. Uh, back at the Hall of Justice, the Wonder Twins wait for the Super Friends to arrive to their training lesson. They finally call around and all the heroes ignore them. They head out to investigate when an Exorian ship passes by overhead, dropping two cage claws over them and dragging them into the sky. Green Fury arrives, but the ship hits her with a stun ray before she can rescue Xana Jaina. She hits the ground unhurt, but realizes she cannot help the Super Friends because she doesn't know any of their secret identities. Jaina activates her Super Friends communicator bracelet, its signal hitting Clark Kent and shaking him out of his stupor. He remembers that he is Superman and takes off. This works on all the Super Friends, and they all suit up and go into action. The trail leads all the way to Exor, where we see a being named Yarrow is the mastermind behind the Wonder Twins kidnapping and is recording all their various shape changes with the intent on studying them to figure out how they can alter their forms. The Super Friends arrive on Exor, and Yarrow six his army of creatures on them, a nightmarish hybrid of monsters with the heads of the Super Friends. The Super <laughs> Friends manage to defeat the creatures, which turn them back into regular Exorians. Suddenly, a nearby wall collapses, and it's Jaina as a flame dragon from Krypton with Yarrow in its mouth. All right, Brian. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> much like a couple of previous issues, the cover moment which is this oh what's that horror author the cthulhu why i keep blanking on oh yeah yeah uh uh, lovecraft lovecraft god i almost most definitely lovecraft yeah i never even thought of that you've Um, got this lovecraftian moment and in the story itself it's about a half a page and so yeah i mean they don't even do the old like i was expecting the old gardener fox kind of like you know big spread of them each punching out everybody you know like um they would do in the old justice leagues but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not really that ostentatious and honestly they the threat gets eliminated immediately immediately yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i i my other feel is that what is this guy this yark yarrow guy yeah yeah, yeah he-, he looks like uh the noid's cousin <laughs> you know like <laughs> Not remotely like, threatening, this guy. Not remotely threatening. He doesn't even look, and, you know, I don't want to sound like the comic book guy, but he doesn't even look like he's from Exor. Right, you yeah, know? he looks, yeah, he looks like an elf or something. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. He, he kind of looks, he kind of has, you ever seen the Doc Savage movie? Oh, sure, yeah. He kind of looks like that guy who sleeps in a crib in the Doc oh, Savage yeah. movie. Yeah, like... <laughs> That's a that's a deep pull, Brian. Uh, but yeah, he does. He just doesn't. That's why you hire me. That's right. It's, <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of like what he feels like he's beamed in from the cartoon. Yeah, and I always you know. despised as a kid um, villains that looked that didn't look like they fit into the universe. 
mm-hmm. of the show. Like really, the filmation would do that a lot, where the villains would be kind of like super dorky, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you can make them kind of scary looking, <laughs> right? And they all had voices, kind of like hello, like yeah, they were they all remotely, they were all Lou Scheimer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah this again this has happened a couple of times especially in like the last year or two and it might just be that um as the book is winding down and then uh you know ENB has 17 I mean all the stories of super friends are about 17 pages. Yeah. It's not like these are shortened because there's a backup they just added backups and increased the price of the book. But it's this has been happening lately where there's a ton of setup and then it's all solved in a page and a half. And and it's just like, oh wow, okay. I mean, this cover is so bizarrely captivating. You really do want to see Robin punch a pig with his head on it. Oh, most definitely. And, and just the fact that it is everything is, you know, like I said, like a page and a half, and the whole thing just wraps up. It does feel like what? What? Okay, because it's got a great opening. I mean, this idea of all the super friends not knowing that they are superheroes is really fun. Um, I love you mentioned Batman has got his ascot and yeah, you know, and, and Wonder Woman is like in lingerie yeah i love that well i was going to mention that that yeah. i love that wonder woman the rest of them like clark kent we see him in his clothes or whatever and robin is off doing something he takes a call and he's like i've got, I've oh, got robin, robin's dressed a little scanty as well like he's in a he's in a like a speedo but yeah wonder woman in the camisole there is like a little like hello but i love it that she's like please no gag calls i've had a hard day and the pen at the pentagon and i need a rest it's like she's doing Calgon, take me away. Like why <laughs> why is Wonder Woman the one who's like off to bed and the rest of yeah. them are off? Like Robin at one point blows off the water tubes because he's like, I've got a heavy date tonight. Like he's got stuff to do. But yeah. for some reason Wonder Woman is like, Oh my god, off to the fainting couch. I'm like, what <laughs> yeah. that? Well, you know what? I mean, she's she's a hard worker. She works hard for the money. I, I guess so. <laughs> uh but yeah, you're right. She's in a negligee in one page, which is just yeah. like Huh. Okay. This is a kid's comic. Uh, yeah. No, all. she's in a negligee in three panels. Um, <laughs> and it's sort of like, you know, maybe I'm just overthinking this, but it's like, huh, that's a relaxing outfit, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we never saw Linda Carter in that outfit, unfortunately. Um, so, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Definitely unfortunately. So <laughs> I love the other weird moment is the, the, you know, the, the alien chick comes by. It grabs the Wonder Twins, puts them in the cage, and then Green Fury shows up. And so it has been established in the last couple of months that uh, E&B full on has made her all but all but officially a new member of the Super Friends. Because yeah. she has now shown up in the last couple of issues as you know, she's not like, hey, I'm a Super Friend, but she's always there. But I love that she shows up. She gets blasted. She falls to the ground. Then she's like, wait, I can't help out because I don't know the Super Friends identities. And she literally just walks out of the story. I I also want to point out that they refer to her as the Brazilian bombshell. Yes. (laughs) Wasn't that Dave Velez? Wasn't that I think that's funny, and I can't wait to share that with my daughter because she's friends with a, a Brazilian. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but I just love that she I love that this final panel on page 8 of, of Green Fury walks away and, yeah, just, like... and, and so the Green Fury walks away from the from uh, the uh, the hall and out of this story <laughs> yeah which which is like yeah don't don't go to the like hall of justice and press buttons or anything yeah, like something just, out yeah yeah just like ah, I'm 
I'm done. I'm done. And she just walks out. And I just, and it's, it really is like, clearly this was probably of, of the various global guardians. This was one of ENB's favorites that he, could be. you know, you know, fits her into the team. And he, you know, he introduces her in just this one page, just for yeah. her to leave the story. She doesn't change anything. She doesn't affect the outcome in any way. But obviously, he liked her enough to bring her in, and then just like, all right, I'll just walk. Have her, and have her I walk super off. grew to love that character. So, um, you know, I still think Fire would be a great addition to the DCU. It's it's a wonderful thing. I hope I hope that character returns in a big way. It's amazing how much they've been able to do with her. I mean, yeah. over the years. I mean, she's been in live action for Pete's sakes. I mean, DC's definitely gotten their money worth out of whatever they paid E and B his monthly story rate for creating this character um so then we get aquaman and of course aquaman doesn't think he can survive on land because he doesn't realize he, he sort of forgets his powers which is a little flushing now i mean again he does have a secret identity it is arthur curry he doesn't use it but he does have one but okay that's fine Ian B is just choosing he never gets his arthur curry mail it's... no he did yeah no he doesn't <laughs> it's, it's, it's piling up at the lighthouse yeah, yeah. um so uh, I love when Robin gets, you know, when the, when the, the alarms go off and they all start kind of waking up. I love that Robin is, is kind of out and he literally just tears his shirt away. Yeah. It almost looks like it's marshmallow. <laughs> like he's just pulling like goo off his body. It doesn't it's take really it off. weird. He just rips it off. It's like you could just take it off, Dick. You well, and also to, I want to point out that he at one point says to alfred and i know this is stupid but um he says can you imagine me running around outdoors in short pants and yet the robin costume is under his clothes like right. he's going on a date but he <laughs> has a full cape can you imagine going on a date you've got a full cape he's got what his green, green booties under his sneakers yeah or and something? it's it's yeah. like wouldn't the date go is that a diaper what's going on back there you know? <laughs> It's fantastic. Uh, so it's, then, then Wonder Woman wakes up. Uh, Batman gets his, his date interrupted, and then that's when we catch up to this Yarrow guy. And I, I generally like Romeo Tangal as an artist. I do miss Ramona Freight, but he, I always thought Tangal as an artist was pretty good. But like you were mentioning earlier, I just can't stand this design. I just yeah. he just looks like it's not. It doesn't fit with anything sort of established in this universe. That, yeah. At this point. Well, actually, I do kind of think it would be okay on the cartoon because yes, some of the cartoon, cartoon yeah. yeah, but in the comic, it feels a little tacked on, I guess. Yeah, especially when you compare him to the the, the monsters he creates, which are again really kind of grotesque. Mm -hmm. uh, and we said Aquaman, and, and the, inv the invisible jet drawing is is freaky deaky. I like it, mm -hmm. but it's obvious that he did not. Uh, know how to draw the invisible jet right <laughs> it's like a, it looks like a bird or something uh yeah. we we do see aquaman he's not pictured on the cover but aquaman does get and turned into there is a monster duplicate where yeah. he is a half mermaid merman and half crab with yeah. aquaman's head so and how uh, that moves around in air i'd really like to know but it's yeah, like yeah. floating there uh, there's also there's an inset panel of Aquaman on page 15, and I mentioned this I think last month. Rom Romeo Tangel gives Aquaman a perm, and I <laughs> I I not the I mean I know this is not I, at the same. This show is simultaneously not the place to nitpick that, but it is the place to nitpick that. I can't stand that perm. He's the only artist ever to do it, and I just can't stand. He I just do you remember like, in Justice League they gave him a mullet for a while? They did. I think he's yes. in like one issue of Justice League. He's got this like. 
total short long heritage. Yeah, I just <laughs> oh god. Um but uh, but otherwise okay, it's fine. It's fine. I love Wonder Woman grabbing all the tentacles of her octopus duplicate and tying mm-hmm. them up into a bow. That is just a that's a there's a great little panel where Tangal has drawn like six Wonder Womans. It's kind of like the the flash effect where you would see yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah, that, that's fun and that, you know, it's visually exciting. It's stupid as hell. But, you know, I mean, that really is what, like, Popeye does. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but I love that she's standing there and all proud. And then so Superman creates some uh, a rain cloud with help with Zan, which creates, gets water, gets poor uh, water on Aquaman. Thank yeah, God they got rid of that 60 weakness. minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh, Lord. That was the worst detail they ever gave. I hate character. when my wife, oh, he's going to die. He's been out for more oh. than hours. Like they got rid of that. Shit. They got rid of that. Please. <laughs> it's not, that's not a thing. And so they all get turned back into regular guys. I love that regular Exorians are bare chested, but wear these masks and gloves. They kind of look like, it's some sort of like Chippendale bank robber kind of look to them. Yeah, it's kind of like a cheap Hydra or yeah. <laughs> like they like they're all luchadors. Yes, like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of a luchador look. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's that's weird because the Exorians are like depicted as very Vulcan. Yeah. And everything else. Yeah. And these guys are like bruisers, you know. Yeah. You imagine they all talk like Hey, it's the Super Friends. Yeah, they imagine if they talk, that's what they sound like. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the wall crumbles, and here comes Z- uh, J- Zana Jaina. Jaina is in the as the is the uh, the fire dragon. Oh, and Zan's just supposed to be water, right? Like, yeah, he just like a, he looks like a ghost, though. Yeah, the artist didn't get like tired. That's like, yeah. yeah, okay. Romeo Tango had to draw this whole issue, so he's just like, yeah. all right, I got I got the next <laughs> backup to get to. Done uh, is better than perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, absolutely. I love the ad for the Superman versus Shazam. That is the current super attractions. Yes, kiss. Um, um, I mean, I love those half ads, but man, this story ends so abruptly. It's like they couldn't have given E and B just another hit quarter page just to wrap this up. They yeah, had to fit I in think, I, I, I have to family. think he would have liked to have explained it a little more. A little bit. A yeah. Little bit. Yeah. It's, it's right. It just ends incredibly abruptly. As I was doing the synopsis, I'm I'm writing, I'm writing. I'm like, oh shit, it's over. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's done. All right, that's fine. Yeah. So, and, you know what's funny is like even when you watch like you, you pick up like the Super Friends uh, Treasury Edition, and mm, I think I Ian Super Friends Treasury. Edition. Oh, me too. Um, like, oh my god, I love that. But um, there the writing he does for the Toth pages is oh. so. Sweet, oh, and I love it. Magical, so like even Hot Girl. I'm proud to say, and it's oh, just like I love oh, I love everything. Pages are so it. good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just like yeah, like you know how you you get like a book about Batman the animated series now, and it's beautiful and love a love letter. That was the closest thing we got to a love letter to Super Friends. Yep. Yeah, and that's before the Super Friends series even started. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. such a darn shame that Alex Toth could I don't know whether they ever asked him or he they did and he couldn't have been talked into it, but man, I would have killed for him to have filled in one issue on this series. Oh what that yeah. would have looked like. I think I think um, at that point though, wasn't he like mainly you know, working for 
animation companies. Yeah, he was, but I mean, he would do it. He would do a story at DC every so often. Oh, okay. It was, it was never superhero. He never liked to do, but I mean, they could talk him into it every so often. He would do like a eight page Batman or something. And you would think with the fact that he designed the character model sheets for the super friends and he does mm-hmm. that, that treasury opening that they might've, I, again, maybe they never asked him, but I yeah, mean, I'm just imagining what a super friends, single issue comic would have looked like if he had done the whole book like oh my god that would have been such a beauty to behold oh um, yeah i mean every time i see the Migo green arrow i just yeah. think of you know <laughs> i mean he, he that figure is based on his artwork yeah one of their best beautiful yeah oh, oh absolutely man, fantastic. so i just sent a friend of mine the 50th anniversary Migo green arrow and he said Oh my God. You know, he just said like, this thing is just still great. It is. Oh my God. It's so many accessories. It was always one of my favorite of the videos I had as a kid. Um, so, okay. So for this story, I always ask who came off best. Who's the best friend. Is there a, there's a member of the super friends that shined a little brighter than the rest of them. Uh, well, it sure ain't fire. Um, (laughs) I, I don't, I, I think it's all kind of just equal. Um, I think maybe the best character might be Superman because he's the first one to snap to. Probably. You know, it's, there's no loser. They're all the super friends and nobody died. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very equally distributed. This one Mm, story, everybody gets something to do. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I would agree. It's Superman gets the most to do, but it's really just sort of by dint that he starts off the story. Yeah. Uh, And I also don't think Superman really needed their help to beat up these horrible monstrosities like you know a batman and robin monster oh no (laughs) a gorilla with batman's 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 head and his mask yeah (laughs) did they they have to like 3d print that yeah (laughs) robin with his domino mask or whatever um and villain wise of course we were mentioned yarrow this thankfully he never appeared again. This is his one-off appearance in Super Friends. He's not used until yet. James Gunn's here's this. Maybe and... so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Superman Legacy. You never know what's coming <laughs> around the corner. Uh, so, um, overall, I mean, what did you think of this story? I mean, again, I'm imagining this is the kind of thing that, as you said, when you were ten, you were like, "Yeah, I've I've grown all I've I've grown past this." I'll be honest with you. Comics are uh, something I don't really read a lot mm-hmm. these days. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it's actually a failing of mine. But my You're eyes, a busy man, Brian. You're doing a lot. But but I do love, like I love art and I love storytelling. And I mean, comics are the, one of the huge inspirations for me. Yeah, my eyes just kept wanting. To, like, what's over there? Uh, with this <laughs> story, and that that might be my ADHD. But it was just like oh, I don't. <laughs> um, and again, like I'm a jaded fifty something guy who. I was reading a comic I wouldn't have bought when I was 10. Um, I love the art. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, this guy is a very competent artist. Mm-hmm. And I like his style. I like his flow. It, 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 the action's nice. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a nothing burger story. And, <laughs> which, oh, you know, I have a friend. Uh, he's He's written books about toys and such named John Marshall. And he once boiled it down to, uh, we remember the good story. Right, like we we just sit there and go like there's ten issues of Batman I adore, and then there's a lot of filler, <laughs> and, and I always kind of like yeah I get it like you know there's a you know you, you you turn on the TV and there's a Star Trek and you're like oh and then you're like oh you no know, it's <laughs> this one you know 
I was I was surfing around Peacock one night, very late at night. My wife had fallen asleep, and on Peacock they have like all a whole bunch of uncut Tonight shows with Johnny Carson, Ugh. and I was like, "Oh, this is oh my god, this is going to be amazing!" And I put one on, and I was about five minutes in. I'm like, "This is pretty rough." <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's uh, my mom bought me the Six Million Dollar Man box set like. <laughs> Whenever that came out, like 10 years ago, and I I remember I had this, like, plan of watching them sequentially. Oof. Like, I'm going to oh, do that. And um, I'm going to muscle through this. I think I got through the entire first season. That's <laughs> pretty good. And then it was like, the second season was like, how many OSI <laughs> agents are double agents? Like, what is their HR like? <laughs> and like immediately is like, no, I I need to see Bigfoot right now. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we, we tend to remember the things that we really liked and we forget that there was maybe six months of stories in between those two high Yeah, points, and you know? I'm a Doctor Who fan and Oh boy. Nothing has made me remember that then the like there's a doctor there's two doctor who streaming program uh, uh platforms there's one on roku and there's one on pluto wow and i vacillate between both of them because like ew no 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 <laughs> <laughs> like oh okay this one's okay you know <laughs> yeah yeah again it's kind of the way it works unfortunately as we're going to and like i said i i've been enjoying them i as i mentioned previously you know i bought this comic up until the very end, and I was disappointed that it disappeared on me. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that heartache. And yeah, I didn't know it lasted till eighty one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like never. you know, I'd never really followed the rabbit down the hole. Um, and I had a few favorites of this comic as a kid, but you know, it was just one of those things that I, I never really thought about. But I, I, I think kudos for DC to doing this, and I think it totally ties into Batman the Animated Adventures and all those wonder the JLU comic was such a wonderful thing for me and my kids because my kids were young and I would buy them every month and read them to them and you know it was an extension of this to me Mm -hmm. oh completely completely Um, so, okay, we do have to do one more story before we wrap up here unfortunately uh, we've got another jack-o'-lantern backup uh, yeah. As everyone knows, I've not been a fan of these. Um, I think the character's design is top notch, but every story that they have done here has been has been a rough. So let's we're gonna we're gonna muscle through this, everybody. Um, do I have to read this in in uh, the Irish Spring? Accent? No, let's not do that. Uh, okay. Let's let's not turn this show into a hate crime. So the the story. Hey, called, I'm a quarter. I can do that. I'm I'm, I'm half. I mean, I, I can do it. We're we're three fourths of the way there. Uh, so the story is called. The Death Cry of the Banshee. It has got the same creative team. It's Ian Nelson, Birdwell, Romeo Tangle, and Vince Coletta. So, okay, everybody. Uh, it opens with our hero, Daniel Cormack, a.k.a. Jack O'Lantern, hearing a nightmarish scream in the middle of the night. He goes outside and sees a lovely maiden known as the Banshee. Can, we, you- can we explain the... Uh- the puppet mastery homunculus the elf, that, yeah, his, that he hangs out His elf with. pal, yeah. <laughs> I just... was not aware of that. Is he a it... leprechaun? Yeah, that's exactly oh, what he is. Yeah. Makes... There, there is, is he like drinking a Guinness? Is it... <laughs> he, he makes Yarrow look like Shaft. I mean, this is just so... Yeah. So, okay. Um, 
Legend suggests that any family that hears the wail of the Banshee outside its home will suffer a death. Cormac, being the only one who lives there, wonders, well, does she mean me? Nevertheless, uh, he goes out on patrol as jack-o'-lantern and stops various crimes from happening. A short time later, a shooting occurs and the perpetrator drives off. Soon after, Cormac's uncle Padrack arrives and says he was befriended by a man who then locked up Padrack and used makeup to make himself look like Padrick. So when he committed the murder, everyone would think it was him. Turns out the murderer is a hitman on hire by the mob to bump off some witnesses. Jack-o'-lantern and, and, uh, and, and Padraig give chase, but the hitman sees another local legend, the Death Coach, a headless spirit who comes to collect upon the Banshee's pronouncement. The hitman swerves to avoid the frightening being, crashes his car into a tree, causing it to explode. The Banshee explains, hey, even she makes mistakes sometimes. Due to the makeup, she thought that man was Jack-o'-lantern's uncle. This is garbage. I, I'll tell you this, Brian. This is my favorite of the three jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, really? Because this is hot garbage. Well, this um, is not good, but it yeah. is better than the other two. But I also want to point out that there's some dialogue. Like, by Lucifer, what's happened to me, gun? Jack-o'-lantern, but you'll never take me. Like, or my lucky charms. Um, it's, yeah, like, it's just one of those, like, first of all, jack-o'-lantern's basically like the spirit in some of Will Eisner's later stories where he's more of like a witness to everything than more than the story itself. But this story is not good. It It's just the, I, these things just don't work for me. And it may yeah. be because I just, the little leprechaun on his shoulder to me is just like, Oh my God. And then, you know, you've got like, okay, I'm going to, I'm a hitman, but I'm going to dress up as this old guy. You're just like, what? what? Yeah. It's as needlessly complicated. Yes. 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 Yeah. And then, they, they, and then everyone buys into this Banshee is just like a thing that everyone's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, hey, Banshee, you got it wrong. And she's like, oh, I made a mistake sometime. Like, but I murdered the guy, so we're good. <laughs> right. And, and then like, for a kid's yeah. story, it ends with the guy dying when his car blows up against the tree. And I also want to point out that while I found the draftsmanship on uh, the last issue, or the, you know, the other story good. And there was some really beautiful stuff. At the end, there's some, like, proportions are real bothersome thing to me. Like, it <laughs> it, it hurts me. Mm-hmm. And that drawing at the very end of Jack-O-Lantern flying is, like, pain. Because he's got, like, one little tiny foot and what, like, it's all weirdly perspective. Like, it's like, you know, and, and, and as somebody who struggled as an artist, it's like, yeah, I get that. But how the hell did you do that? And that got published. Like it's, you, you'd look at the tiny arms on him. It's we. The perspective's all wrong. I again, I love the Jack O' Lantern concept. I love the power set. I love the his little Halloween bucket that he carries around with him. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the I love the color. Oh, yeah, I, I think the concept is really cool. Yeah, the execution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just and they're just a little too. This was not written by someone who has ever been to Ireland. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I I am thankful that this is the last Jack O'Lantern story. This is Ooh. it. He does not come back. The book the book only has three more issues left to it, and the other backups will be Plastic Man and Seraph. And so this is it for Jack O'Lantern. So yeah, I try to be as complimentary as possible because why am I picking on a fifty year old oh no year old comic that. book? Yeah, but these these stories are these Jack O'Lantern stories are rough. 
these are just... well. They were meant to be disposable entertainment. Like uh, one, somebody once said to me, "One does not dissect gossamer," you know. Uh, <laughs> and I always use that because I am a hardcore Planet of the Apes fan, mm-hmm. and you cannot apply logic to those films. You just have right. to go, "Yeah, they fixed the spaceship and went back in time, <laughs> and here we are." Sure, yeah, <laughs> move forward. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, good goodbye, Jack and Laren. We we hardly knew ye and uh we never liked ye, unfortunately. So I, I uh, thought he looked cool. He looks uh, cool. He <laughs> looks cool. Absolutely. He would have made a great superpowers figure hmm. with his little with his little lantern. It would have been I, no. I think he would have been cooler than uh what was that guy? Golden Pharaoh? Golden Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. Cyclotron. Uh, any of those ones. Yeah. Uh, they should have done a whole Global Guardians line of Super Not, not to sidetrack this, but I can remember being like 16 when that third wave came out. Me too. Like, Me too. You have a pantheon of characters. <laughs> Amazing characters. And you made these guys, you know, like <laughs> I, I would have gone for a commandy. I would have bought a Johnny Double, like <clears throat> Johnny <laughs> Double. No, I wouldn't have bought a Johnny. Double. I would have. Yeah, I loved. <laughs> I, I love those comics, but no, I probably at the time was like, who the hell is Johnny Double? And, and like <sighs> my favorite DC character is Animal Man. So <laughs> don't wow. for a minute think that I'm being a snob here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm the big Aquaman fan. Who who am I to? Yeah, but Aquaman is on such a different. Like, well, that's yes, we're in a people different... think Animal Man is Aquaman. We're in, yeah, we're in a different different world now. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh. One other thing I want to mention about this comic before we wrap it up is on the letters page, there is a a letter writer named William Waldman who is happy that Ramona Frayden has left the book. I don't understand. Mr. Waldman doesn't understand joy. He doesn't feel anything. I don't, I don't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to like art. I, yeah, no, I just, I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't think Ramona Frey should stay on this book. What the hell's the problem with him? So, uh, yeah, that is, um, that is Super Friends number 44, everybody. Not, <laughs> not one of their best. I would say one of their better covers. Of the whole run of the book, because it's again, it's, we talked about this sort of pure nightmare fuel as a cover. Like I picked it out of pure silliness. Yep, and, and that's and what it you was got. Like, like I, you know, all of the choices you gave me, and this is reaching back a little while, but I think I just picked it on like, like no, I recognized none of them and went, "This seems like me," <laughs> and just for that little. Robin on the cover. It's it's I think just... I even said to you at the time, I'm not surprised that's the one you picked. Bro. Yeah, I know. I think yeah, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Totally on brand. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so this, would, this would normally be where we wrap up the show. But of course, anyone who's familiar with Brian knows he is the king of toys, the king of licensed merch. Plaid Stallions is a brand that we're all familiar with. You've done so many things. You create your own toys now. And so I just thought it would be wholly inappropriate to not do a for all merch kind segment oh, yeah. while you're here. I'm because, so down. yeah, I mean, this is, this is built for you. But of course, I also need to include my pal and fellow network all star Chris Franklin in on that. So Chris is actually here to join us to talk about a piece of Super Friends merchandise. So Chris, welcome back to the Hall of Justice. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Chris, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Chris and I have collaborated a whole yeah, bunch. A few times. A few yeah. times, yes. Uh, well, and, thanks, and like, thanks for... Going forward, we're actually making air fresheners together right now. Wow, that's breaking Whoa. news here on the show. I didn't know any about that. That's really it's cool. It's ridiculous right. as it can be. Chris has helped me um, on the magazine do incredibly stupid things. And now, what's the magazine, in case people don't know? Play oh, my, my magazine, Toy Ventures Toy magazine. Ventures, Chris, right. Chris has helped me out a million times with his talents. And every time I say, you know, I want to make puffy stickers, he's like, I'm down. And, you know, we have made incredibly stupid merchandise together and made the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, it's that's one 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 stupid novelty item at a time. We're trying. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I we're gonna we're gonna wear down society. Uh, <laughs> There's an article in Toy Ventures, everybody. If you haven't read it, I think it's issue number two, where Chris sourced all the DC Comics art used for the Mego boxes. I think that's issue number three. Is it, issue number three? Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. It is it is the most nerdrific granular detail article you'll ever want and I loved every second of it. I just yeah. I was like, yep, this is <laughs> all that that's about right. Oh, I didn't know that was from it is just nerdvana that article. Yeah, and and my wife came down and said, "I love you and I love everything you do, but this is amazing. And this is the best thing you've ever published." So, uh, kudos. And I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's just a brill. It's so fun. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But honestly, we, we, we might have to do a sequel at some point because there's a few things that I actually did leave out. And, and I knew because we only had so much space, you know, plus I've discovered a few things since then. So, you know, there, I mean, we've got to do the pocket heroes and the comic action and, you know, the 12, all the 12 inch, you know, oh, yeah. all that stuff. So, yeah, eventually we got to do we got to do some more. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. I've had a ton of fun on uh brian welcoming me to help him on toy ventures it's been great to contribute because i love to read it and i just love contributing to it so i it, it's 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 just a wonderful thing and it's so much fun and i really appreciate what you're doing and let me in on the fun it's great yeah no i'm, I'm happy to have you sir <laughs> all right so uh yeah i so we're here to talk about a piece of merchandise that i did not even know existed i i, I searched on ebay for vintage super friends and it pulled up some real treasures and the thing we decided to talk about and again you'll see pictures of it on the gallery page for this episode is a cheerios magnetic dark game st- starring no aquaman unfortunately but of course because it's, it's got yeah but it's got superman batman wonder woman and robin now chris again you're you're better at this than me I'm going to, I think it's safe to assume that that drawing of the four super friends is Dick Giordano. Does that look right to you? Yeah, I think that's pure Dick Giordano on the back cover of the back, the back of the back cover, the back of the box, and also the Superman figure on the front of the box. I think yeah. that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's Dick Giordano. And I think maybe this artwork of the superheroes is in the Tomorrow's Dick Giordano book. I think oh, really? Okay. I think it may be. I can, okay. I've seen it somewhere before. I didn't go back and look. Michael Yuri's uh, body. It's, it's certainly it's very unusual artwork. Oh, on the game itself, yes. Yeah. No, I, I, ju- I just meant. I meant on the 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 like the offer on the back. They're all kind of squatting and it's a weird weird series of poses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's. Right. 
They almost yeah. look like comic action heroes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're squatting. Yeah. They're trying to get underneath that magnetic dark game uh, logo, you know, that, that text that's hovering above their heads. They're ducking under it, it looks like. Almost. Yeah, but Superman's throw is so unnatural. It's very <laughs> strange. Um, the, the game comes with these four... I don't, they're, they're, I don't even exactly sure. I mean, there's the instructions is, is pictured here. It's, it was on an eBay, except it was on an eBay auction, but it's these four little darts. What, 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 how would you guys describe what these four little things are with our heroes on them? Are they dart? Oh, they almost, they almost look like picture frames. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you fold them into like a weird kind of U shape with a magnet at the end. And that's the dart. It's, of course, it's it's a totally non-evasive dart. You know, it doesn't. You can't injure anybody with it because no, it's a magnetic yeah. dart game. But it's so it's bizarre. almost like the opposite of dart, um, right? It's like blunt. You know, um, <laughs> the 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 target board is amazing too because it's such a mix. Well, that's uh, the thing that caught my eye was the target yeah. board, uh, which is it's you see four of our villains. There's Luthor, Penguin, Joker, and then the Cheetah. And the weirdest thing about this is, again, you'll see it on the, the gallery page, is th- I think all the poses are Dick Giordano as well. But for yeah. some reason, when everybody draws Cheetah, they're channeling H.G. Peter. It's like Golden Age. Yeah. 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 yeah she it- looks like a sore thumb. And although... Like the Joker looks really eighties, the Penguin is sixties. It's it's really an uh, it's almost like those Seven Eleven cups. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. there was like Golden Age pictures on there, and you're like weird. Like um, yeah, it's a really odd odd item, and I, I have no recollection of this as a kid at all. Yeah, oh no, I, I never saw that. I yeah. thought you know most there was a lot of post serial. Uh, crossover, you know, promotions with DC Comics heroes, but I didn't remember anything about Cheerios. That's General Mills, you know. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of odd. And I, yeah, the artwork on this is like I think it's Giordano channeling on the Penguin. It's him lifting that uh, Carmine Infantino, Murphy Anderson. Yeah. yeah, and and then the Joker looks mostly like him, but then the hair's kind of weird. It doesn't kind of look like him, and he's he's got everybody in these kind of extreme three D poses to make it look a little more. Like they're coming at you, but yes, yeah, somebody else I think definitely redrew the cheetah's face at the very least and made her look like H.G. Peter because Dick Giordano can draw. He's one of the best artists ever at drawing, you know, beautiful, attractive women. And this ain't a Dick Giordano. Oh no, woman. this is not a beautiful <laughs> woman. This is uh yeah, and that that's that's where the juxtaposition comes from is that like she just doesn't have the same design. Yeah, she's like it's like it's like across the Spider Verse with the different you know animation styles and things. And yeah, yeah, it's like another like from another universe or something. Yeah, and that like I mean, maybe that wouldn't stick out to a lot of people, but it's like whoa, that's that's a big sore thumb for me. Yeah, and for some reason, and on other pieces of merch where the cheetah appears, they make her draw like H.G. Peter. It's the I, I've never, it's like I've never seen that before, where like one character, every time they draw her, it, it's, she got to look like she did in 1940. Well, nobody else gets that. Like they don't, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't look yeah. like, he, Luthor doesn't look like he did in 1940. You know, like, well, why? Well, I, I, I often view this stuff as like, they had one eye open 
but they didn't have a lot of respect for it. And like it, it brought in money, but they were like, nah, it's fine. You know, like um, <laughs> something Marty Abrams said when he got the Star Trek license, the guy said, do whatever you want with it. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's impossible to this day, you know, but in 1977, you got this, there were no style guides. That's what, that's what I love about this era of toys is things got really weird. Well, that, mm-hmm. that, that leads into something else I wanted to mention was these four little dart magnet thingies that you threw at the, at the villains. And I guess you racked up points. Uh, Chris, the, the artwork, right? For these four, we've got, they have the top pieces have headshots of Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin. And the Batman and Robin look like somebody copying Infantino Murphy Anderson. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the Superman looks like, so again, somebody copying Kurt Swan, but the Wonder Woman one, I can't recognize that at all. I think that's actually a drawing of Cher. I, yeah. It looks like a black light poster, like a black yeah. light version of it's, Wonder Woman. It's, it's really, really funky. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, who knows where that came yeah. from? The the closest image of Wonder Woman that I've seen is is one that was used on some merchandise where her hair would had that kind of ethereal, almost Peter Max kind of look. Was yes, actual, that's it, Peter Max. Yes, 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 was an image by Nick Cardi from the cover of Secret Origins number three, and Wonder Woman standing there with hands on hips and her. Hair's got this weird, like, I don't know what Nick Cardi was doing that day, but he decided to just get experimental. And it's just like, basically, <laughs> it's just like, like color, color patterns, just making her hair. It's, it's really weird. And that's kind of what this feels like. I don't know if somebody was looking at that or somebody is, you know, tripping on something when they drew this. I don't know, but it's, it is really weird and very, very strange, but there's her expression weird- is very odd too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's some weird Wonder Woman art from the 70s. There's that picture uh, Dick Giordano did that was on a puzzle where she looks like she's just honked off, like she's just really mad looking. I mean, oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah and she's like twirling her lasso and she just looks angry and just real severe looking. It's kind of weird. And it's they used it on a lot of merch. So I, I, I think probably a lot of it's the popularity of Wonder Woman with the Linda Carter show plus the Super Friends kind of caught them off guard and they didn't have as much artwork laying around as they did for Superman, Batman and Robin. And so they did some weird stuff with Wonder Woman artwork in the set. It's quite striking. I mean, I actually really like it, you know, for such a tiny little piece on such a weird little game. Like it's, it's very visually arresting. I kind of wish they used it on other things. Yeah. I actually, I'm very fond of it. Yeah. Now it almost feels like they just couldn't find uh, a piece to copy mm-hmm. and copied something else. You know yeah, what I mean? Maybe. Like, like there's a, yeah. there's a, a beautiful, um, Sid and Marty Croft iron on book. And when you get it, the Electro woman is a complete swipe, uh, from DC. It's, it's a wonder woman. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like this, the G.I. Joe color forms that they've swiped like different Superman poses for Bullet Man. and Oh, and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very, it's a weird little piece. I never saw it. Uh, I, like ah. I said, that's why it really caught my eye when we were thinking of a, a piece to do. I want to wrap this up by asking both of you guys, when you were kids, did you get cereal 
for the prizes? Did you could you talk your parents into that, or was that not a was that a, a no go? Uh, I'll go first. Yes, most definitely, it was uh, awesome, especially if the cereal had any sort of pseudo healthiness to it. And um, I just did a, a piece on this recently. Uh, the Black Hole was <laughs> a big movie, and I wanted the act the Mego action figures. If I sent in like three box tops and money. But it was no problem to my parents to buy me Shreddies because Shreddies is like uh, whole wheat and it's garbage and um, <laughs> it tastes like wallpaper paste. So, yeah, that one. And I, I do remember buying Cheerios, which I despise as well, um, for the Star Wars stickers. So, yeah, I when I see these kind of boxes, it triggers like my lizard brain um, <laughs> of like, yeah, I want that. So yeah, <laughs> I I was a sucker for that. Uh, I also yeah, want I, to point out that I'm lactose intolerant and can't eat cereal anymore. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely the kid that's like, "Hey, mom, can I get this Captain Crunch? It's got a submarine inside that works on baking soda." You know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was definitely that kid, and I you know I've mentioned this before, but I actually won some prizes from one of the post. Uh, Super Friends contest, which we'll discuss eventually on this show. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I was, I was way in on this stuff. I mean, and my mom was just so indulgent. If she saw the superheroes (laughs) on a box of like shredded razor blade, she would have bought it for me. (laughs) Oh, bless her. That's fantastic. My, my mom was cool like that, but not as astute. So. <laughs> yeah, if I if I saw like the superhero cookies that they had in the early eighties, I was all yeah. over those because it was DC superhero cookies, you know, where the oh, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I, I never saw this game. I never. Oh, I would no. have loved it, but I never saw it. Canada, Canada didn't get half the stuff you guys did, and um, yeah, this kind of stuff was just the, like I'd see the commercials for it, and then you know they were. Like Buffalo stations. So, well, uh, they said that I, we, I, I could not let uh, Brian coming on the show pass without doing oh, a, I'm so a merge segment. That. There's just yeah. no way we're going to let that happen. So, uh, Chris, thank you for, for stopping by. And again, you will be back on the show before we wrap up. So, uh, thank you both for doing this segment with me. Oh, my God. So fun. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to talk to Brian. Of course, always great, great to talk to you, Rob. So, I'm, I'm always. I'm always ready to talk merchandise about super friends, superheroes, anything. You know that. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you very much. And Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate, you know, I, as Chris just said, I always enjoy talking to you. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Well, I'll be uh, doing come blow your horn in Schenectady <laughs> with Casper Van Diem. And then um, I would see that show. <laughs> I've never seen come blow your horn, but um and then I'll be at PowerCon, uh, August 11th to 13th, sadly doing Come Blow Your Home on Casper. <laughs> but, um, you can also find me at, uh, you just type in Plaid Stallions and there is a Canadian band <laughs> that I was not aware of signed up, but I'm the other one. <laughs> uh, I, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> well, thank- Thanks, everybody, for listening. I want you to uh, stay tuned. I'm going to run some commercial announcements. And when I come back, I'm going to do some listener feedback. This is the K.
kid who got it to come when he called. You're kidding. His sister made it go right or left just by clapping her hands. Their neighbor likes to play games with Petster, and the little girl down the street just loves him, even though Petster's batteries are not included. Then there's the kid who let Petster do its own thing, while she did nothing at all. Petster comes with his own house. From Axlon. The traffic. I can't read The that. boss. The baby. The dog. That does it. Calgon, take me away. Lose your cares in the luxury of a Calgon bath. Cal off water to listening silver visits. The fragrant world. I love it. Pamper yourself with a Calgon bath. Lose yourself in luxury. And it's time for listener feedback, and these are the comments we got on For All Mankind, episode number 43, with my guest, Mike Staley. First up is from our own network, Sean M. Myers. He says, just finished listening to another great episode of the podcast. I want to tell Mike that not only did he do a great job discussing the stories, bringing up great points, but also that I loved your vocal rendition of the Plastic Man theme song. For All Mankind needs more musical numbers. Rob, I have been on a fair number of your shows. I'm not exactly sure where I am with my Robbie counts. Sean, I think you're at three, Film and Water. For all mankind and treasury cast, I think. Uh, and Shag and Chris don't want to do it. So I guess I'm going to have to be the one to let you down gently, respectfully, and thoughtfully. The Futurio saga was never concluded in the remaining four issues of Super Friends. Although there was a solicitation for an Alex Rush painted treasury sized wrap up entitled Futurio X Marks the Spot. Sadly, that never came to be because Alex decided to create the Wendy, Marvin, Wonder Dog, and Snapper Car story instead. However, it does mean that For All Mankind can have a bonus episode where the story can finally be completed. I'll play the role of Overlord. Uh, very tempting, Sean. Thank you. Yeah, after you mentioned that, I went and looked ahead and saw that I just assumed that ENB knew the book was coming to an end and so made time to wrap up the Overlord saga, as we'll call it. But uh, I guess he didn't because uh, he didn't. So that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know what happened to that third clone. Uh, anyway, Brian Chufo says, I'm glad to hear that other people remember that old LP record with the cool theme songs and radio style drama. Brian, are you kidding? I listen to it every day of my life. No, no, I really don't. I haven't heard them since the 80s. Could probably still sing both the Plastic Man and Monomorpho themes from memory. The one, the incredible Elastic Man, always in great shape for the shape he's in. Thanks for another trip down memory lane. I'm looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes in a few months after issue 47. Me too. Uh, a couple of notes, Brian. If you like those power records, which of course the Plastic Man and Metamorpho uh, audio adventures were, go listen to the Power Records podcast, which Chris Franklin and I host on this very network. Uh, Bucky749 says, another great episode. Glad to have Plastic Man back in. Me too. Rob McCarthy says, uh, Alan Scott's oath doesn't rhyme. I would have loved more super friends with Plastic Man. Plastic Man and Batman should be hanging out all the time. Completely agreed to that, Rob. Edo Boznar says, yeah, Futurio XX really does look like a VN from Star Trek, the original series. And man, uh, those guys were always a little bit gross. And I get why you'd mentioned Vin Diesel in relation to the XXX reference, but one that would have been more relevant given the publication date of this comic book is John Holmes. Otherwise, not getting into that, Ado. Otherwise, I never knew before that there were some plastic and backups in Super Friends. I used to love the Plaz stories in Adventure Comics by Pasco Staten et al. Also loved the Levitt's Dead Ghost Starman. And now more than ever do I want some kind of plastic man collected edition that would include the stories from Super Friends that I've never read before. Uh, first up, Ado, I'm glad that we could tip you off to that because, yeah, the, the strip continued in the back of Super Friends briefly, but it did. And yes, there needs to be a collection. And considering that so much of the stuff that the Fire and Water Network Mentions on a podcast seems to then turn into reality, whether it's like, you know, who's who omnibuy or whatever. 
uh, there's no reason to think we can't manifest the Plastic Man collection uh, into reality. So let's let's talk about it, everybody. Let's get on social medias and various uh, other platforms and and talk about a Plastic Man collection, and maybe we'll make it happen. Chris Franklin from this network, of course, says, fun discussion, guys. At the time, I was confused by Futurio because Tuo Maro had a similar look briefly and read Nornado strip in World's Finest for a hot minute around the same time. Overlord was a dark-haired guy with a mustache, so the confusion with Maro continued. I thought they were intended to be the same character. Me too, Chris. When I took a brief look at this book before I started reading it, I was like, oh, Tuo, wait, no, that's not Tuo Maro, but yeah, it does look like him. And you're right. He does look like the version that shows up in World's Finest. Anyway, Chris continues. Green Fury hanging around reminds me of how Black Canary slowly gained membership in the JSA. First, she was participating in missions thanks to her connection to Johnny Thunder. She debuted in his strip. Then she took Johnny's place and finally became a full-fledged member. Had Superfriends continued, would ENB would have given her official status, secured entry to the Hall of Justice, unlimited access to the Kleenex supply? Would she have replaced anyone on the team? Heaven forbid. But maybe the often forgotten Aquaman? Or maybe Robin, since ENB uh, may have had to bow to Wolfman and Perez and the growing popularity of New Teen Titans, which Tangal was inking. All interesting thoughts. And we saw on this issue, she appears a bit briefly. So uh, yeah, I think clearly ENB really was thinking of her as kind of like a, a new member of the Super Friends, as you say, at least at this point, unofficially. Mark Baker writes says regarding the rescue of Superman by Green Fury, she simply didn't change the color of the red sunfield around Superman, as if changing the color of things was yet another new power she possessed, like her dazzle power, which seems still random despite the precedent set by her previous appearances. Stars get their colors according to their surface temperatures, and a red sun is cooler than a yellow one. Thus, by adding fire slash heat to the field, it naturally changed colors to yellow. The real anti-science thing about this rescue isn't the changing colors, but rather that even a cool red sun has a surface temperature of about 4,000 degrees Kelvin, much too hot to be in proximity to any matter on the Earth's surface, perhaps especially a D-powered Superman mere inches away from this field on all sides. <laughs> Thank you for the science corner, Mark. Note to Overlord, you won't be able to name your next clone Futurio XXX. By the naming scheme you've set up, it would have to be Futurio XXXM. A billion is, after all, a thousand times a million, not just ten, and Futurio XXM won't work since XM would be 990. Both the list and the third X's need to be the multiplier, with the second X being 10 and the M for 1000 for this to work. Yes, I thought about this way too much. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the information uh, one way or the other. John Dredge says, uh, since listening to your show, I've become fascinated by E. Nelson Bridwell. Might it be possible to hear an episode on the mystery man with encyclopedic knowledge? Not on this show, uh, but maybe at some point we could do an EMB tribute show because he was really one of the great stalwarts of DC Comics. And that's kind of our, our bailiwick here on the network. So you never know. Uh, Martin Gray says, fun issue, fun podcast. Nice job, Robin Mike. As an old LSH writer, Ian B really should have followed form and had Green Fury named a super friend at the end of this issue. She had such a refreshing vibe to the team. As for the villain of the piece, the latest Futurio really isn't that impressive. Why is a comic book big brains tend to be bald? I suppose it, it all gives Hector Hammond an advantage with bald diverse ladies. Nice to see Plaz in here. I wonder if Joe Staten was drawing the strip with one eye on the Dick Tracy cartoon strip. The whole series reads like an auditor piece. If so, I'm glad it worked. I mean, maybe Martin. I mean, we were talking that was like 20 years after Plastic Man. So Joe Staten must have really been playing a long game. But I think it's more that Joe Staten's style fit the kind of thing Dick Tracy was, you know, eventually ended up doing or always kind of did do. Uh, and it, Staten just loves that kind of stuff. I mean, he had like a gumshoe character in E-Man as well. So I think that's just kind of 
something he enjoys, which is probably led him to the Dick Tracy gig. Uh, and then finally, Brett Young says, great show, Robin Mike. Oh boy. It's the only thing that makes me fear for our future more than Florida politics. Your Cheerio. He's back and more veiny than ever. Uh, for a genius, Overlord has some pretty lame plans. Overlord should nix the clone scheme, get the next 15 series, World Series winners from Futurio XX, then dump that affront to nature into an acid bath and move to Vegas. Futurio isn't much better. There's a million ways he can incapacitate the Super Friends all at once. Instead, he sets them up in individual escape force fields and takes some DNA from Wonder Woman with a grocery store scanner. I do appreciate the smug ta-ta way Futurio XX gives the heroes after thwarting them. I guess he's evolved past his middle finger kiss move. Nice work by Robin taking out the convergence of street tufts while the Eurythmics were strutting touching hands. <laughs> what an eclectic group of thugs. You have the down at the marina thug with horizontal striped shirt and knife, a couple soldier old man, classic 50s thugs with clubs and zipped up jackets, a matching sweatsuit, athleisure wear thug, and finally, my favorite, a punk wearing a shirt that simply says punk. Hey, this week Aquaman was able to get in a punch. Well, at least I got to drop one of these clowns for Futurio showed up. Ah, oh, look at his cranium. Someone should probably throw a loincloth <laughs> over it. How are we supposed to defeat him? Make him <laughs> how we, I'm leaving all this in. Uh, how are we supposed to defeat him? Make him turn his head and cough? Jeez, he's the only guy who has to, has to manscape his head. And hang on, he meant to trap me in a bubble that's hot and dry? Oh, no. Captain Testy's master plan was to send me disgust. Eh, who cares? Green Flame got us out of it. Good thing, too. My new weed guy is supposed to meet me here. Oh, nuts. He's the pirate I punched out. Slaps unconscious Doug's face. Are you Kevin? Wake up, man. I brought, I brought cash. Oh, no. There are only former issues of the Super Friends left. Maybe it's for the best. I'm really gigging deep for these pop duo references. Thank you, Brett. Uh, yeah, I can, I can say with some, not some, a lot of joy that, uh, there are only two more backup features left to talk about in the run of Super Friends. The final issue will be a full length Super Friends story. And there are no Wonder Twins or Jack O' Lantern stories left to us. So that makes me very, very happy. So, um, thanks everybody for the comments. I really, uh, do appreciate it. A big thanks to my pal Brian Heiler for coming by and talking Super Friends with me, having Brian on any of, the Fire and Water Network podcast is always a, a total delight. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of For All Mankind. Of course, you can find the show on Twitter at For All Mankind SF. All the back episodes are on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show in any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on the show of your choice. So big thanks to Chuck Dill. Stanford and Brown, Gord Tolton and Davis Gutierrez for their support of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I really appreciate it. So like I said, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to For All Mankind. Join us next episode when we look at Super Friends number 45, The Man Who Collected Villains.
NFW TV podcast.